Welcome to Larry Reedy's America. This is the gun version. And uh, this might be a little longer than normal because this will be the last. This is a final gun version. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, things that are being left out in the book will be published in another podcast uh, when we're doing a live gun safety show at the Gibson Theater uh, on September 24th. So you'll be able to listen to that and talk about the accessories and uh, home protection. I will be doing a segment on home protection. So, But we have a few more reviews of friends, and uh, let's get on with it. And uh, it, it's been fun, and I hope people have enjoyed this. I know there's uh, some... Some of the elderly population, which includes me, uh, you start having failing eyesight and you don't tend to read very well. So hopefully this, this helps help some people that are still interested in firearms. So let's start off with Jim Doyle from Batesville. My name is Jim Doyle, a longtime gun enthusiast and a part-time shooter. When Larry asked me to review the AK-47, I was hesitant because I'm not a writer nor a historian. I will not include all the specifications of the AK. You can find accurate specs on Google or Wikipedia. My best recollection is that I purchased my Sega back in early 2000. It is a Sega Legion I don't know how to pronounce this. We'll take a guess. It's Izhevik, Russia, and Arsenal, Las Vegas, Nevada. The cartridge is 762 by 39. It is a Russian-made Sega. That is how it was explained to me when I purchased the gun. I have made no modifications to this rifle. Again, all this technical info is available on Google or Arsenal's website. My overall impression of the gun is excellent for multiple reasons. Historically, it's very reliable, almost indestructible under normal to adverse conditions. The weather has not been an issue for me. The colossal safety is ideal for gloves, and you simply have to slap it down to fire. I've never had a jam when feeding. I have used some very old Russian ammunition. As far as accuracies go, I would never blame the gun. I have fired this only to about 100 yards and was on paper. For me, that's acceptable. The weapon has a metal battle sights, adjustable front and adjustable rear. As you move the rear sight forward using the ramp, supposedly it's adjustable from 100 to 900 meters. But from research, it is not a long-range sight system. Again, there are plenty of ballistic books to be found. The trigger system is not a finesse system. It's a firing platform. You will not confuse this trigger with a custom trigger job, but it gets the job done. There is no play in my particular trigger. The build quality is outstanding in my estimation. My AK is stamped metal, so again, this is not a Wilson Arms quality build. I have read that some AKs were milled 
but not confident where or when they began some milled parts at some point in time. It is a mass-produced weapon. I have no issues, failures with this gun, but it is also heavily used, not heavily used. It is a black polymer rifle that shows no signs of wear after about 20 years of misuse. Uh, wait a sec, my page is stuck together here. Okay. And misuse and neglect. The AK is not a fancy firearm, but this weapon's reliability and longevity make it an excellent addition for a gun collection or home defense weapon, but it is not supposed to be. It is a mass-produced, stamped, very reliable, inexpensive rifle that supplies armies worldwide and rebel groups, sports shooters, and personal defense use. Hell, Rambo had used these. My gun is all stock and factory equipped. There are ample ways to modify this gun in any way that you want. I paid approximately $450 several years ago, and I would repurchase it. Keeping in mind the gun's use for me is pleasure shooting versus long-range accuracy, dependability versus show firearm. In my opinion, this is a blunt weapon versus surgical precision. I am sure this will draw plenty of criticism. It's just one opinion. Again, this is more of a straightforward review versus surgical. Only one user's review. Google is your friend for all the technical information. I did not make my living using this gun. I never depended on it in any threatening situation. My AK was and is just for fun, and I take this review as such. Information is from memory, and accuracy is not guaranteed. Uh, Jim reviewed that October 20th, uh, 2020. Uh, next, we have Walt Enneking, and uh, Walt has been on uh, various podcasts of mine, and let's, let's, Walt uh, lives in Napoleon, Indiana. Uh, shooting has been a big part of my life since I was a kid. I devoted a large portion of my life to learning and teaching others about firearms with my primary focus being on firearm safety and defensive employment. On the subject, I've built a health, health, healthy resume. In 2004, I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps to become a machine gunner assigned to anti-terrorism battalion under the 2nd Marine Division. Anti-terrorism battalion was formed right after 9-11 and as a specialist, specialized unit for detective, detecting, deferring. Oh, I'm sorry, let me go back again. Anti-terrorism battalion was formed right after 9-11 as a specialized unit for detecting, deterring, and defending against terrorist operations worldwide. I deployed with uh, AT in 2005-2006 to Ashraf, Iraq, and again for 13 months for 2007-2008 to, to Al Anbar province, Iraq, 
provide personal security detail for the commanding generals of Iraq, high-level government officials, and foreign dignitaries and other VIPs, including Chuck Norris. And in parentheses, Walt says, although it's not clear who was protecting who on that one. I was certified by Blackwater Training Center in 2006 in high-risk executive protection and advanced evasive driving. In 2008, I decided to exit the Marine Corps and came home for every and come home for everyday life. Once home, I became an NRA certified instructor and started a business named Ironsight Tactical. I provided instruction to the general public on the safe and defensive use of handguns and long guns. I also co-founded a, a small organization called the Tactical Shooters Alliance. We host monthly tactical two-gun competition using scenario-based stages and real-world tactics. When I don't teach, while I don't teach anymore because of time constraints, shooting will always be a staple in my life. <clears throat> when Larry asked me to review my favorite firearm, I had a hard time deciding. I've had good fortune to work with many fantastic weapons over the years. After the Marine Corps, I began participating in the International Defensive Pistol Association, where I ran a Springfield Armory XD-45 and XD-9. After 10 years of shooting the XD platform, I wanted to try something new, so I moved to the Smith & Wesson M&P series. I love the, I love the ergonomics of the M&P, but found it had some trouble with consistent accuracy. So again, I was on the hunt for a new pistol. pistol. While at the Indianapolis 1500 gun show promoting Tactical Shooters Alliance, I visited a booth after booth searching for a little more competition-oriented weapon, but I was also on a budget. Enter the Canik TP9 SFX. I had no working knowledge of mechanic. My first impression of the Canik were, were excellent. If it doesn't get a lot of praise for its appearance, but the two-tone finish and ported slide appealed to me. It looked like something John Wick may have under his suit jacket, and that's good enough for me. The ergonomics were impressive. It has front and rear serrations machined into the slide and three different options, including the back strap. It feels great in hand. One of my big gripes about other handguns I've shot were access to slide latch releases and magazine releases. I like the design of the slide latch release on this model with ample real estate and protrusion. It, it's allowed for easy release, but didn't stick out so much when it may accidentally be held down while firing, uh, keeping it from going to slide lock on the last cylinder. This problem I've encountered on many other frames. The magazine release is extended from the factory and comes with three different options to suit you. The trigger on this weapon is what impressed me the most. Most polymer frame defensive pistols come with a trigger that leaves a lot to be desired. 
Heavy and mushy brakes with long resets are common. So many shooters upgraded triggers with company like Apex. That's not the case here. Canik designed this pistol from ground up for the budget-minded competitive shooter. The trigger brake is crisp and light with an excellent reset for those clean hammer pairs. It's also worth mentioning the TP9SF comes optics ready out of the box with mounting plates for every popular pistol optic including included if that's your cup of tea so all's good right i've only heard the names the name canic and like most things obscure in firearms world if you're not popular there's usually a reason so off to youtube i want to get my learn on i had no clue how this weapon would be formed, or if it would be reliable. The info, info I found on YouTube solidified my decision. One reviewer had about 2,000 rounds through his Canik with not one jam or malfunction. The Canik TP9 SFX passed mustard and at an MSRP of 550 and a sale price of 480, I had a hard time passing it by. Time to get this gun on the range. At initial inspection, this weapon felt front heavy due to the 5.2 inch long barrel, but once I had loaded a loaded mag in it, it balanced out beautifully. Firing the first shots, shots <clears throat> I paid special attention to how this weapon recoiled and how much noticeable muzzle rise there was. Not a factor here. This gun runs on a rail, but you have to give it a solid platform to operate like all other handguns. Proper grip and stance are essential. I found all firearms have different break-in periods before achieving optimal accuracy. For example, most AR-15 rifles need about 200 rounds through them before they start becoming consistent in the accuracy department. With the Canik, I noticed the accuracy has only improved, probably due to breaking it in and my improved relationship with my new gun. My first shots did not disappoint, though. I never did bench it to find out how exactly good it is but from standing at 15 yards, I could hold four-inch groups. After more trigger time, that group has improved. This weapon is capable of hanging with guns three times its value as far as accuracy goes. Hitting a steel pop at 50 yards is well within the performance of this gun. One thing to be noted on accuracy is that while the uh, barrel seems to be quality, the worn sights that come with it are just okay. Primary my complaint is with the front sight. It could stand to be a little wider and is tend to float in the rear sight aperture. My second complaint is with trigger safety. I found it to be a little crude and it tends to hang up unless you have your trigger finger in just the right spot upon pull, causing it to catch and throw a shot. I have adapted to this problem, but I haven't ruled out modifying it. I have only about 600 rounds through the Canik with zero stoppages or malfunction as I write this. 
I make it a point not to clean a new firearm till it fails. So far, the Canik has delivered as advertised. My TP9 is out-of-the-box competition ready and has surpassed all of my expectations. If you're looking for a budget weapon in the competition game, don't pass up the Canik TP9 SFX. Now, that was uh, done October 27, 2020. And next, we have Tony Shantz from Batesville. Tony is supporting the iconic Henry Rifle Model 1862. The rifle is a lever-action tubular magazine uh, helped tame the wild American West. The original was a 44 caliber rimfire, but the model Tony has is a 4440. Some Union soldier used the rifle in the Civil War who carried it with pride. The rifle has an exceptional high fire rate for this period, but tactics had not advanced to this point to take advantage. So scouts and raiding parties primarily used them. Some of the rifles found their way west and were used by the Sioux and Cheyenne to obliterate General Custer and his, little, and his men at the Little Bighorn Battle. The rifles were initially manufactured by New Haven Arms Com Company, which later evolved in the great Winchester Repeating Arms. Review was November 2nd, 2020. Uh, here comes my friend Bill Coates of Osgood, Indiana. My favorite concealed carry firearm is the Smith & Wesson J-Frame 38 Special Airlight T1. Model 342. It's not a model 642. Air weight. This pocket gun only weighs 11.3 ounces and is barely noticeable when carrying it in my pocket. Many times I have to check to make sure I'm carrying it. The frame is of scandium alloy construction, while the cylinder is made of titanium to stand up to the plus P ammo pressure. This outer barrel is scandium with a steel inner barrel. The S&W hammerless weapon comes in double action only and has been carefully finished with no sharp edges or angles to snag on clothing, ensuring a quick draw should the need arise. It slips in and out of my pocket effortlessly. It fires 38 Special Plus P jacketed ammo. The jacket and ammo recoil could cause lead bullets to come loose from their case and jam the cylinder. The recoil is noticeable due to the lightweight and the 1/7 inch barrel, but it's manageable. I was able to score groups from 11.2 to 21.2 inches at 15 yards after some practice using my Crimson Trace laser sight. I was able to put all five shots into a softball size group center mass on human silhouette target at 20 feet while firing, firing rapidly. This is a great gun. Uh, there's a, some excellent reviews on YouTube. It's worth watching. Next is Brayton Deal from Batesville, Indiana. Brayton says, I have several firearms. My favorite is my Remington 700 with a Bushnell 3x9x40 scope. 
My 700 is an easy rifle to like. I am listing the attributes of this excellent gun below. Easy to shoot, inexpensive ammo during regular times, exceptional, exceptional durability, great value, terrific grouping at 100 and 200 yards, smooth bolt action, reliable, no misfires. It feels like it was custom made for me. It's a great fit, easy to clean, manufacturing in the USA. My only dislike, it's a heavy hunting rifle. Okay, next we have, uh, I'm, I'm over the 20 minutes, but we're, we're gonna get through this today. Uh, my uh, next is Bob Weiler from Batesville, Indiana. The handgun is a Rock Island Army, Armory TAC Ultra FS 10 millimeter in the 1911, 1911 platform. I always wanted a 1911, and when the 10 millimeter round became a legal caliber to hunt deer, I decided to purchase one as a sidearm while hunting. What I didn't realize at the time was how much I would enjoy shooting it. It's exceptionally smooth and accurate. The recoil is minimal and allows for keeping the gun on target while firing successive rounds. The RIA TAC Ultra FS 10 millimeter is a full frame weapon with an eight round magazine. The slide is smooth and tight when racked. It has very aggressive grips, making it ideal if wearing tactical gloves. It also has a high shoulder, which fits my large hands rather well. I like the adjustable rear dot sights, but I don't care much for the orange fiber optic front sight. I don't feel it catches the light very well, and it became, can be hard to find when trying to pull up a target. The front sight is something I plan to upgrade in the future. The trigger has minimal take up and breaks at around five pounds. It is a classic cock and lock of all 1911s with ambidextrous safeties, along with an additional safety in the back of the grip where the crease of your palm would sit. One of the things I like about it is weaponry, how tight everything moves. It gives a feel of quality when everything moves smoothly and locks into place tightly. In summary, this has slightly surprising feel of quality and incredible accuracy for this price. It's an excellent weapon for target shooting, hunting, or defense. It's a little cumbersome and heavy for my liking and concealed carry, but I typically carry inside my waistband and is probably typical for a full-frame weapon. When carrying outside the waistband while hunting, it's barely noticeable. If you're a 1911 fan, I highly recommend adding this weapon to your collection. This is my last review, and I, I, I coming up, and I tell you, I, I did not do a very good job on this uh, in the book because I was overwhelmed. This friend is, we're gonna call him Kentucky Gun Collector. I had the privilege of going to a Kentucky Gun Collector's home to write a review on some of his firearms. I did a terrible job because I was overwhelmed and out of my league. 
I was like a little kid in a candy store. His collection is magnificent. He has a story about all of his guns. His recall is impeccable, and his collection, in my opinion, is priceless. The Colt snake gun collection is mind-boggling. I would guess that he has around 50 original pythons, and most of them are unfired. I honestly believe that every firearm that he has is museum quality. Two of his rifles manufactured by Savage Arms for the Dodge Brothers in the early 1900s are two of a kind. A gold Savage 32 caliber, caliber manufactured from 1904 to 1908 with the serial number one. Captain Jack's photo in the previous image with an envelope behind the rifle he used in the Buffalo Bill Wild West show, uh, posted some pictures. If I have a second printing, I will ask the collector for another interview with pictures of his top 10 guns. The collector wants his anonymity for safety reasons. I am so fortunate to be one of the select few that has seen his collection. Uh, <clears throat> It, uh, well, I do have one more review, I forgot, but this is, uh, this was just amazing, and I, I would estimate the reason that he wants to keep a low profile, and I think there's only been 10 or 12 people ever in his, uh, uh, seeing his collection, which he's somewhat downsizing. It's, it's probably worth $4 million. Okay, here's my last review. Um, my friend Mike Spreckelson. Uh, Mike lives in Greensburg, Indiana. Uh, my model 61 Winchester is an excellent small game rifle. I grew up hunting with a Winchester model 62A, but the 61 is sleeker and allows an optic without modifying the gun. I love the pump action design. It's comfortable shoot and carry in the woods. These rifles were used years ago in shooting galleries. They are incredibly accurate and dependable. I love shooting mine whenever I have a chance. I have two Model 61s, one chambered and 22 short, 22 and 22 long rifle. My other Winchester chambered and 22 Magnum is a joy to shoot, but I tend to use the 6122LR more often. Well, this concludes the gun portion of Larry Reedy's America, and I, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'm, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I'm working on, this is a work in progress, and we'll see how it works out, and, and even if I bring it forth. But when uh, the last one of these airs probably... I, I'd have to check. It's either going to be uh, late August or September, I believe. But anyhow, uh, I talked earlier about it. My thoughts are uh, we're, we're looking at doing uh, a happy hour version. But the happy hour version is, uh, is quite different because it would be like uh, Larry Reedy's ultimate conversation at happy, at happy Hour is with Thomas Jefferson or 
my like my friend Ted Stedeker. Uh, Ted Stedeker's ultimate conversation at Happy Hour is with General Patton. So it's a it's a good thought. Take some research. Um, it might be interesting to people because we can go back to biblical times, uh, to present times, to uh, uh, historical figures, sports figure, whatever anybody wants to do. And uh, so I'm toying with the idea. I think it might be a fun thing to do, but we'll, we'll just have to see whether it, it comes to pass or not. Uh, but hopefully it will, and really enjoy the conversation with the book. Uh, it, I had to repeat myself a few times and go back because uh, I'm, I'm having a little close vision problems, and r- reading a book out loud is not my forte anymore. So anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, God bless you. God bless the United States and America. And I'll talk to you on one of my next podcasts.